This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Monday, November 14th. The weather forecast for today, mixture of sun and cloud, a chill high of only plus four degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Ontario's top doctor is expected to recommend masking all over again. Number two, sick kids hospitals suspending surgeries to preserve their capacity. Number three, Doug Ford will extend the gas tax holiday. Number four, parents are shelling out for kids' medication. And number five, the Argonauts defeating the Alouettes, and they're off to the Grey Cup. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Well, welcome to your Monday that weekend went by rather quickly, didn't it? Honestly, I I wake up without an alarm probably 99% of the time. And I woke up this morning and I thought, ah, it's Sunday. This is, oh no, crap. <laughs> got to get up, got to prep the show. Now we got to do the show. But here we are. And I hope you're uh, doing well at this hour. I wish I had better news to share as concerns where things are headed vis-a-vis COVID. Although it's, you know, yes, the number of people diagnosed with COVID is up. Yes, the number of people who are hospitalized with all kinds of things, especially in kids' hospitals, um, are up. But it's not the worst news ever. It's just that we have reached the point where medical officer of health is expected to announce at some point today that we should go back to masking. Now, what people are going to do about that is anybody's guess, because I think there is significant mask reluctance out there these days. And, um, you know, and, and what form it's going to take. Are we back to that sort of ridiculous kabuki business of having to put on a mask when you arrive at a restaurant and wear it to the table and then take it off and then put it back on to go to the washroom and then take it off? Um, not so sure. But it would certainly be in an awful lot of venues. And actually, I don't know what our policy is going to be corporately here at uh, News Talk 1010 and Bell Media. For a very, very long time, when masks were mandated, we were you know, we would take it off. I'm sitting alone in a room right now. Nick Mayorano's on the other side of the glass. So is Joe. Um, but they're in the same room together. I don't know if you guys are going to be compelled to wear masks. I don't know if I'm going to have to put on a mask when I go down the corridor, even though I'm not going to run into to anybody because... Um, there's barely anybody in our workplace. Well, I mean, Joe and I are, I would say, maybe five, six feet apart, so I think we should be okay. Yeah. But, you know, what's the policy going to be? We'll find out. This has been a very cautious uh, corporation when it comes to a lot of the the rules and regulations and practices as concerns uh, COVID. So, uh, Doug Ford actually did a press conference yesterday. And, uh, you know, went back to the usual. It's almost like saying the rosary these days, but uh, wear a mask, get your flu shot, get your vaccine and, uh, you know, keep your vaccines up to date. Wear a mask every time possible. Number one. Number two, get a vaccination shot. And if you haven't already received yours and get a flu shot. And then he said, listen, whatever it is, Dr. Moore wants to recommend I'll take direction from the chief medical officer for the province of Ontario. I follow the direction from Dr. Moore. I've said that from day one. Dr. Moore will be out tomorrow with Dr. Simpson. 
we, we have experts all, all over this right now. We have, uh, as I mentioned, Dr. Moore, Dr. Sis, uh, Simpson uh, from Ontario Health, along with Matt Anderson, along with Dr. Zahn, the deputy minister, and let's not forget Michelle D. Emanuel that ran uh, Trillium Hospital as well. I was in conversations with uh, seven hospitals across Ontario on Friday. I spoke to every single CEO. Uh, we're pulling out every single stop along with them to make sure that we have the capacity to uh, handle the flu season. Yeah, okay. That was almost like an Oscar speech, wasn't it? I mean, we pretty well named every, every hospital CEO in the province of Ontario. But hey, you know, I'm, I'm happy that Doug Ford is on the case. As unhappy as I might be, about everybody getting back to masking because it's there's just been this, you know, aspect of escaping the worst of COVID, we hope, cross our fingers, knock on wood. And part of that was that, you know, it was optional, for example. You get on the subway and maybe you wear a mask, maybe you don't. I sometimes would have a mask in my pocket and I think, okay, we'll put it on. Other times I would forget to grab a mask on my way out of the house and I would think, ah, you know, we're going to be okay. Uh, but it's back to masking, it would seem. And uh, we'll cover that uh, press conference. I don't know that we're necessarily going to take it live on News Talk 1010, but we will continue to cover the story for you. Then you get to uh, SickKids Hospital. As of today, they are suspending surgery. And as one of the doctors pointed out, you know, you don't do elective surgery amongst kids. You know, nobody's, uh, no six-year-old is getting a nose job out there. So any surgery that is being done at the hospital for sick kids is something that is necessary. However, they are currently over capacity when it comes to uh, kids in the ICU. So they've had to suspend their surgeries. Um, one of the big problems seems to be this RSV, um, which is, uh, you know, causing all kinds of respiratory distress for kids. And you factor that in with the conventional flu and with COVID. And then all the other things are going to happen to kids from falling off of bikes to various other things. And we are at capacity and overcapacity at the hospital for sick kids. So they are um, suspending surgeries for the time being. And then you get to something you probably heard about on the weekend where People are effectively, you know, trolling the internet, trying to find medications, cold medications for kids. And now it's reached the point where people are holding you hostage. So a pack of children's Advil was found on sale at Amazon here in Canada for $300. Uh, then there was a University of Toronto associate professor who was surfing around again on Amazon on Friday found a bottle of children's Advil for $210 and delivery was not guaranteed for weeks. So I don't know what you can tease out of that, except that there are some pretty horrible people in the world. Um, but on Friday, for example, I think it was Deb Hutton we were talking with who had been on several community pages. And a lot of people were saying, okay, I have a bottle of kids cold medication and I need to preserve some of it just in case one of my kids gets sick, but I'm willing to give up some of these pills for free. I'm willing to share them. So there's a lot of that going on. So I guess it's the best and the worst that, the, um, that you can find on the internet. It's either somebody gouging or somebody sharing. And then another story. A lot of our stories are things that kind of hatched over the weekend or even actually emerged on Friday, but people are still coming to terms and digesting them. 
and uh, Doug Ford announcing on the weekend that he's going to extend the gas tax holiday for another year. I'll be very interested to see and hear what of our what our pundits have to say about this today, because I'm I've always been somewhat jaundiced about the gas tax holiday. And I know some people would say, oh, why would you be against giving people their money back? Well, here's the problem. There's never going to be a way to prove that the gas companies have not just absorbed the gas tax holiday. And so instead of this being money in your pocket, it's money in the pockets of companies that are making record profits. The gas companies, in in spite of the the sticker shock that people have been experiencing when they arrive at a gas station, uh, the gas companies continue to make record profits for their own industry, for every industry. And so whatever Ontario has extended to you as a means of trying to make life a little bit more affordable may have just gone into their pockets. Time now to say good morning to John Moore, News Talk Radio 1010. See what's on his mind to start this week. Good morning, John. Good morning, George, and welcome to the airwaves of News Talk 1010. Nice to be here on CP24. You're welcome anytime, John. All right, let's start here. Uh, I think back to 2020 when masks went from not necessary to optional to suggested to recommended to mandatory in a matter of months. And then they were dropped earlier this year. The mandate. Where are we at now? Well, it looks like Ontario's top medical officer is going to mandate masks all over again. Now, you're absolutely right in terms of the spectrum of just how insistent he is going to be. We don't necessarily know, but Dr. Kieran Moore will make the announcement. And all of this is in the wake of an uptick of COVID diagnosis. It's routine flu season. Then we have this uh, respiratory illness, which is landing kids in the hospital. So it looks like masks are back to being part of our urban uh, uniform. Mm-hmm. And speaking of kids in hospital, sick kids hospital, uh, will have to limit surgeries or they've made that decision to deal with the capacity issue. Yeah, the announcement was actually made on Friday, but it takes effect today. And Sick Kids is not going to be performing uh, surgeries as of today. Uh, the real problem here is, as we were saying in our first story, it's this uptick in all kinds of infections, including this RSV, that are overcrowding hospital emergencies and ICUs. And Sick Kids Hospital has been hit by that as well. So it's a fairly concerning situation. And there's a special place in Hades for these people that are gouging kids' meds (laughs) prices on Amazon. Yeah, if you go on Amazon trying to find some uh, medications for uh, pain relief and fever relief in kids, a pack of children's Advil currently on sale, George, for $300. I mean, forget about uh, Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation. Maybe you should just be stocking up on kids' medication. Uh, Another person was uh, taking a look for a bottle of children's Advil. It was retailing, well, retailing. Uh, Somebody was trying to shake you down for $210, and they had no promise state of delivery. I'm going to move on or I'm just going to get really mad and angry and say something I shouldn't say. Uh, Ontario <laughs> yeah, extends okay. the gas tax uh, and all this uh, as we hit the uh, fall economic statement which we announced today. Peter Bethan Lafalvi will be making his fall economic statement this afternoon. As we observed in Ottawa quite recently, these are fast moving from uh, being simply, you know, here's where we are in terms of the money that's coming in, the money that's going out. Uh, we actually have mini budgets. And so one aspect of that mini budget today will be, as Doug Ford promised yesterday on camera, he's going to extend the gas tax holiday of 5.7 cents a litre for at least another year. That's at a charge of $1.2 billion to the provincial treasury. Okay. 
And finally, the Argos are heading to the Grey Cup. They are the Argos beating the Montreal Alouettes yesterday, 34 to 27. That was the East Division. They will be in Regina next Sunday. So. Just one more sports event, I guess, in a city that is frustrated by all kinds of things these days. One more thing to look forward to next weekend. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been a rough season, you know, through the CFL getting its legs back, but it was nice to see an almost capacity crowd there down at BMO. Hey, John, thanks so much. Have yourself a good day mm -hmm. and a good show. Stay warm. That is our friend George Legojanis over at uh, CP24. And, yeah, a great cup coming up next weekend. Have to wonder if, like in many, many uh, seasons, we're going to have to contend with snow while playing football. Uh, but it's going to be an exciting weekend, and it's good to see the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, you know, we had Pinball Clemens on the show on Friday. He was all excited, but then again, Pinball's always excited. Um, I wonder if perhaps we're going to just have to rebook him for this coming Friday as well to get us ready for the Grey Cup. And the Grey Cup. It's not the Grey Cup, as you know, until somebody from Alberta rides a white horse into a hotel. It's an annual tradition. It's not always easy when they're trying to get through the revolving doors, but I'm sure that we'll see that at some point in uh, Regina this coming week. Uh, lots of other things to uh, catch up on, but let's actually press the reset button and uh, churn through the guts of some of the more important stories today. Uh, the big deal would certainly be that it uh, looks like we're going back to masking. As mentioned, the big question mark is how rigorous are people going to be about it? Because we, as we have discovered in the last two years, there are some people who consider this some sort of a character test and also some sort of a test of what level of what authority you grant to your government. So for some people, wearing a mask is a source of, of demonstrable pride. And for others, it's, you know, here you are knuckling under, once again, to the jackboot of, of fascist oppression. Amongst other things that happened on the weekend, uh, the Democrats have uh, cemented their control of the U.S. Senate. And you know, that's more interesting, I guess, from the aspect of American politics being a soap opera for Canadians to consider. Although it does help when the legislatures are being held by Democrats because they're likely, in most scenarios, to be more friendly to Canada. Although the Democrats were not terribly friendly when we were trying to renegotiate um, the free trade accord a few years ago. But still, it's also fascinating from a perspective of this prediction that the you know Republicans were just going to run away with it. They were actually going to slam the Democrats. This was going to be the end of Joe Biden. It was going to be the end of uh, whatever influence the Democrats may have maintained. And if anything, what it has confirmed is that the almost clinically insane form of Republicanism that reached its apotheosis under Donald Trump may be coming to an end. And... I keep comparing this to the scene in The Wizard of Oz where they throw a bucket of water on the Wicked Witch of the West and all of a sudden all of the people who were beholden to her suddenly say, wait a minute, we can be anything we want. We can, we're free. We're free. She, we don't. And that's what's happening to American Republicans. Even the ones uh, who willingly followed Donald Trump have realized that his era is done, which makes it all the more curious about what is going to happen tomorrow. Because Donald Trump predicted 
about 10 days ago that he was going to make a big announcement tomorrow. And the presumption was he was going to announce he was running again. But since his political currency has turned to crap, one wonders if maybe he'll just do a Trumpian thing tomorrow and make some sort of a nodding and winking announcement and then move on. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.37 on a Monday morning. Just checking the temperature at the airport. It is zero. And that would be the first time this fall that at this hour, actually, it's the first time I've observed zero um, this fall. So, uh, and, and on the weekend, I don't know if you happen to notice, and it all depends on where you are, but certainly in Midtown yesterday at one point, looked out the window, snowflakes. So not entirely surprising this time of year, not going to grieve this situation, but we had a, a real treat in terms of weather this fall and golfable conditions and all kinds of other things you might want to do outdoors. But I think that that holiday is over. And speaking of holidays, it would seem the masking holiday is coming to an end. Just waiting for Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kieran Moore, to make the formal announcement today. But it looks like he's going to be recommending masking in indoor settings. And all this comes on the heels of Hospital for Sick Kids, having announced that they are suspending surgeries as of today. And that's because they're inundated with kids who are suffering from all kinds of viral infections. Interesting study that I'm looking at this morning, though, especially if you want to consider whether or not masking works. And I know there are two and a half years in, there are still people who dispute whether or not masking works. But often we are offered up opportunities to run a clinical trial without anybody actually organizing the thing. And so in this case, it would be in the Boston area, some schools had mask mandates and some schools didn't. And, some, and, and then they varied according to the dates uh, upon which mandates were introduced. And school districts and districts in the greater Boston area that lifted mask mandates last February saw an additional number of COVID-19 cases per thousand students and staff across a 15-week period compared to schools that kept masking. So actually, the the hard figure is this. Um, Let's reread the statement from the clinical study. Well, which was not a clinical study, actually. Again, this is, I think that COVID over the last two and a half years has offered up so many accidental laboratories and experiments and trials and everything from economic Uh, experiments to social experiments, you know, how do people behave when government imposes a level of authority. Uh, But back to this one. School districts in the greater Boston area that lifted mask mandates last February saw an additional 44.9 COVID-19 cases per thousand students and staff across 15 weeks compared to schools that kept masking. So effectively, uh, an accidental experiment established that you were more likely to pass COVID on to somebody else or contract COVID from somebody else in a situation where you were not masking. So the masking apparently actually works. Um, Another thing that came up over the weekend, this in anticipation of the Finance Minister of Ontario giving his fall economic statement or update today. He will be on the show tomorrow, Um, but Doug Ford, letting at least one rabbit out of the hat or whatever you want to call it in saying that they are going to continue the gas tax holiday for the province of Ontario. 
Extending the tax cut for an additional year will mean the average Ontario household will save $195. We know that every dollar helps. And it does. But I also remain unconvinced that this tax holiday has not been absorbed by the oil companies. And it's one of those things we're never, ever going to be able to prove it. So maybe the Treasury is taking a $1.2 billion hit. And that money, instead of going to the pockets of Ontarians, is merely going to the fuel companies. Uh, an announcement that was made on Friday, but worth trumpeting here, because we've talked about this story numerous times in the last year. Remember that Canadian airline crew? They were being held in the Dominican Republic, first in jails, then under house arrest. But the story is this. They were flying for a very small Canadian airline. They're in the Dominican Republic. They discover cocaine has been planted in their plane. They report it. They reported it to local authorities and to the RCMP. And then what happened? Police arrested them. And the suspicion was that they were actually trafficking in drugs. And now, actually, we've learned, and I wonder, you know, when did we actually know this? You know, how long have we known these guys were completely innocent and they've been forced to languish in the Dominican Republic? Um, they've established that they actually have video footage of a guy putting the drugs into the plane, and they have video footage that establishes that the crew were in the hotel at the time that the drugs were being put into the plane. Uh, we spoke with the CEO of this airline. It's called Pivot. Um, Pivot CEO Eric Edmonston said, you know, they reported the crime and look what they got in return. You know, they reported an alleged crime through the course of their duties as they should. And they prevented a substantial amount of cocaine entering the streets of Canada and undoubtedly saved lives there, but also saved lives in just the way that the contraband was packed on the aircraft. It was uh, very unsafe. And uh, the th thanks they got in a very corrupt uh, country of the Dominican was they were thrown in jail because of it. And, you know, I hope in the long run, the Canadians will punish the Dominican, Dominican Republic for this by depriving the Dominican Republic of our tourist dollars. I also have a lot of questions that I guess now that this crew is on its way back to Canada, we can ask. Like, you know, at the very least, I was curious, are they still getting paid? You know, were they paid through that entire time? It's a very small airline, so possibly not a lot of money in their pockets. But um, one has to wonder what these individuals and their families were doing to pay the bills through this entire uh, nightmare of them being detained in the Dominican Republic. And then you got to wonder, you know, is this airline going to fly back to, I think this was actually a charter, but is this airline going to fly into the DR ever again? And if they do, can you imagine the sort of PTSD that this crew would be suffering from? One hopes they never have to go back to the DR. So, you know, this business of activists, anti-oil activists, anti-carbon activists, uh, throwing food items at paintings and famous works of art. Well, it's come to Canada. Activists threw maple syrup on an Emily Carr painting uh, in Vancouver at a gallery. Uh, the painting, in case you're keeping notes, is called uh, Stumps and Sky. And what the protesters do is they throw food items at these paintings and then they spread super glue on their hands and they glue themselves to the walls. And no 
small number of contributors to Moore in the Morning have offered that they would like to just leave them glued to the wall for as long as it takes for the glue to come undone. And if that means they have to wet their pants and starve, then, you know, tough. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Wow, what a bittersweet and also tragic and historic night for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Borea Salming was back in town to be honored by the Leafs and clearly ailing from ALS. He has Lou Gehrig's disease, but he was um, held up and supported by some of his old teammates, including Daryl Sittler. Lanny McDonald was there. There were tears all through the house. I don't, you know, what a beautiful, beautiful, poignant moment, but at the same time, you know, beginning a, a hockey game where you cross your fingers and hope for victory with something as heartrending as that was uh, was just something else. The first Swede inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and the highest scoring defenseman in Maple Leafs history, Borea Salming. And still. You know, um, walking and he waved with the help of uh, Sittler holding up his arm. Uh, but you could see in his face the damage that uh, ALS has already done. But what an absolutely remarkable moment. And this is a chapter in Leafs history that I was not familiar with because it predates my being in Toronto and my being, you know, a person who would follow the Leafs. But I guess it informs a lot of the analysis I used to see from. Um, now I'm trying to remember his name. Who the, the guy with the big collars and the stupid ties? Um, <laughs> Don Cherry. Don Cherry. Don Cherry used to complain about um, players from Europe. And uh, so the whole understanding back then was, first of all, it was a remarkable feat that the Maple Leafs went to Sweden and recruited this young guy and brought him back. It was this uh, exotic creature. It was like some sort of a pet brought back from a foreign country. And people were very, very critical of the style of play from those the Scandinavian countries because they didn't feel these guys were aggressive enough. But there was an incredible elegance uh, in particular to Borea Salming. And uh, he became, if, if I am reading my file correctly, uh, he became the highest scoring Leafs defenseman in Leafs history, is one of the more beloved players, but now is in the advanced stages of Lou Gehrig's disease. But they brought him back and they honored him and it was just tears everywhere. You could not watch that video on the weekend on social media without tearing up because it's just uh, the love of a city and a hockey franchise for one uh, good and decent man and for his career, and also, you know, in, in consideration of the fact that this is a man who is uh, fighting something that he will ultimately lose. I was thinking of Tony Proudfoot uh, to loop back to football. Tony Proudfoot was a Montreal Alouette. He was known as uh, Staples because of a famous gray cup where it was snowing, so he drove staples through the bottom of his shoes in order to have cleats on the field. And I knew Tony Proudfoot because he was the color commentator for the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, the Montreal Alouettes were broadcast on our radio station in Montreal, CJAD. And he was also 
a um, phys ed teacher at Dawson College and became a hero the day that a gunman walked into Dawson College and opened fire. And Tony Proudfoot actually vaulted out into the public areas of that SEJAP and grabbed kids and pulled them into a room and then secured that room and possibly saved their lives. And then he ended up with ALS. And uh, watching Tony Proudfoot, this incredible uh, athlete, and uh, actually just an incredible man in terms of character, gradually dissolved by ALS was, was devastating. And that's clearly what's happening now for this famous Toronto Maple Leaf. It is 5.52. One other good news event from the weekend would be the liberation of Kherson. And this is, you know, in, in watching the humiliation of Vladimir Putin, and last week we talked with Bill Browder, he was a special guest here on News Talk 1010, and he is a guy who has spent the latter part of his life fighting Putin, fighting corruption, fighting the level of cryptocracy uh, that reigns in the former Soviet Union. Um, in, in talking with him, he made it very, very clear that Vladimir Putin is not going down easy. However, he's going down, it would seem. And watching... Um, a city that had been occupied by the Russians for eight months, watching a city that had been declared with a parade in Moscow to be a part of Russia, watching those people racing around with Ukrainian flags and hugging anybody like it was the liberation of the Netherlands was exhilarating on the weekend. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.